0: Our scripture reading this morning comes from 1 Corinthians 13. That's the love chapter, verses 4 through 7. And I think this is scripture that we shouldn't read too quickly. Love is patient. Love is kind. It isn't jealous. It doesn't brag. It isn't arrogant. It isn't rude. It doesn't seek its own advantage. It isn't irritable. It doesn't keep a record of complaints. It isn't happy with injustice, but is happy with the truth. Love puts up with all things, trusts in all things, hopes for all things, endures all things. May God add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and understanding of Scripture, our hearts and minds are open.
1: Why is it that so often we, we choose the, the easy way out? Uh, when I was in seminary, uh, I went to my Old Testament final, and my professor, Dr. Parrish at the time, was working on a book and he had gotten behind his deadline. So he told the the class, if you're happy with your grade, you can leave. Uh, Of course, most of the class got up and left, and I tried to do some quick math in my head, which is a challenge for me, and and I tried to figure out what I would have to make on the final to pull my grade up from a B to an A. And so I raised my hand, and I, I said, Dr. Parrish, uh, can taking the test hurt your grade as well? And he said, absolutely. Thought about it for a second, and I said, have a merry Christmas. (laughs) You know, a study from University College of London uh, recently discovered something that I think we all pretty much know. People are lazy. (laughs) Of course, it's not unique, to humans, right? Uh, Everything follows the path of least resistance. Water, (laughs) uh, electricity, Google Maps. (laughs) You know, even dogs became domesticated because it was easier for them to scavenge off human trash than to track down prey. Now, we have two Sundays left in our series called Real Relationships, and let's face it, when it comes to our relationships, our friendships, our, our uh, marriages, our church community, we, we too can tend to be a little bit lazy. However, following the path of least resistance when it comes to our relationships keeps us from having healthy, thriving, and flourishing connections with each other. Relationships become real when we choose to grow together, when we choose to evolve together. You know, I really do wish that there was a a magic bullet when when it came to making authentic connections with other people. There, There just isn't. We can't take shortcuts when it comes to growing with each other. Uh, Now, during this series, we've looked a couple of times at Paul's letters to the churches that he helped get off the ground. And these letters are rich with how to have healthy relationships. And today, the reading came from the letter to the first letter to the Corinthians. Now, Paul spent about a year and a half in Corinth. And with the help of Priscilla and Aquila and his partners Silas and Timothy, they set up several house churches in Corinth. And these house churches from time to time would gather together for the Lord's Supper, usually at a wealthy person's house. If you remember, if you were here for a week, one, you remember we were talking about a very similar issue in the Colossian church. Now, in his letters, Paul points to, to things like morality and marriage, but, but the root of most of the problems he's dealing with is divisiveness the church was having major relationship issues. A major challenge was how they were so diverse in their socioeconomic community. Uh, you know, on the one hand, we got to give uh, the church at Corinth a lot of credit. They were trying to put together a diverse group of people that comes from a multitude of different Backgrounds, which was extremely rare in the ancient world. But on the other hand, they were doing, doing it in a way that didn't bring value to every member of the community. Instead of doing the hard work of building up the body of Christ, they chose the path of least resistance. They chose to act more like the culture than act in the way that Jesus taught us to live and paul Paul does what, what what Paul does, and he challenges them to live differently now at the at the very end of chapter twelve if you if you go back and read the very end of chapter twelve before he begins this chapter on love in chapter 13, Paul says this, I will show you a still more excellent way. Paul urges the Corinthians that the only way to really grow together, the only way to evolve as a community is to love each other. Paul says it's more important than anything else. You can be the most gifted person in the community, but if you don't love, it's worthless. Now, we have to be careful not to misunderstand what Paul is talking about here. The the passage that, that Brett read for us Uh, Paul was not writing a passage on marriage. (laughs) This great love passage is not about marriage, although it's very appropriate for marriages. I've used that in in wedding uh, ceremonies before and probably will do that again. But here, he's really not talking to a husband and a wife He's not talking to people who love each other deeply. He's not talking to spouses. He's talking to the body of Christ. Paul is not talking about the the warm-hearted feelings we get around the Thanksgiving table. And he's definitely not talking about how we feel when we gather with our family around the Christmas tree, (laughs) he's talking about agape love, the kind of sacrificial love that had God send his only son Jesus to earth to show us how to live and sacrifice for all of humanity. Paul isn't calling members of the body of Christ to feel passionately about each other. And he's not even calling the church to like each other. He's calling the church to act in self-sacrificing ways. Relationships become real when we choose to grow together, when we choose to evolve together. Paul is telling us that loving each other with agape love is the most excellent way in building our relationships. Uh, the great theologian and professor at Emory, uh, Frederick Beatner, describes four levels of love. Uh, the first is love for equals. Right? A love for a friend, for a friend, a sibling, for a sibling, a spouse, for a spouse. It's the love that that's pretty easy to love. Jesus spoke about this kind of love in Luke chapter six. He said, "If you love those who love you, why should you be commended? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who." do good to you, why should you be commended? Even center, sinners do that. You know, don't take credit for the things you're supposed to do, right? Uh, I send my kids to school on time every day. Well, you're supposed to do that. <laughs> what credit is that to you? Uh, the second is, is love for the less fortunate. Uh, this is the love for those who suffer. For those who are oppressed, for those who are poor or fail, uh, Beekner would call this compassionate love. It it touches the heart of the world. It's the kind of love that uh, draws people to donate to the Red Cross when there's a disaster that happens, or or the love that, that takes a meal over to someone's house when they are Grieving. Now, the third level gets a little bit more rare. The third level is is love for those who are more fortunate than us. You know, the people who succeed where we fail, those who have achieved what what we want. Paul says in Romans, rejoice with those who rejoice. It's the love of the poor for the rich or in my case the 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 dnf student for the students who make the a's and b's you know this is rare in our culture because our culture we would rather tear people down than build them up when they succeed now before i talk about this last level of love uh, I need to give a, a, a timeout, a disclaimer, if you will. Uh, the church, I believe, has misused what agape love is in order to encourage people to stay in situations or relationships that are unhealthy. Agape love does not mean that you stay in relationship with someone who is abusing you. Agape love means that that through a mystery of God, you can still love them, but you can do it from a safe place. This fourth level is love for our enemies, the love for those who mock us, the love for those who who threaten us, the love for those who would like to inflict pain on us. Jesus said again in Luke chapter six, but I say to you who are willing to hear, love your enemies, do good to to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. You can already imagine that each level of love gets more and more difficult to obtain. However, it's in these deeper levels, these levels three and four, where the real work of building lasting, healthy relationships is done. When Jesus said to love your enemy, he's asking us to love each other in the way that God loves us. Paul is teaching the Corinthians what this love looks like in real life. It's patient. It's kind. It isn't jealous. It doesn't brag. It doesn't seek its own advantage. It's not irritable. <laughs> it doesn't keep records of complaint. It's not happy with injustice, but is happy with the truth puts up with all things, trusts all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Now, we all know this is something that doesn't happen overnight, but it takes small intentional steps for us to bring real change over time. And I want to just kind of talk about a couple of ways that we can begin to love each other in these deeper levels especially in those levels three and four. Uh, First, put yourself in other people's shoes. It can be one of the most effective ways of being empathetic for someone. When we begin to understand people and where they're coming from, we're more able to love them in a real, authentic way. And remember that everyone has a story You know, it might be a job loss. It might be anxiety or depression. You know, who knows what is going on, but when we put ourselves in other people's shoes, we're more able to love them. And a good way that we can do this is to find common ground. You know, there's something that we have in common with everyone. And it's a good idea to start there when we're struggling with people. You know, find the things that, that we like with one another. It might be uh, a football team, or, or it might be a place that we love to eat, or, or it might be a podcast or something like that that we have in common. It could be our hobbies or films that we enjoy. And then when you come across those topics where you disagree, don't give up, <laughs> just listen. Try and empathize with them and try and understand where they're coming from. The last thing I want to talk about is then we need to be the first one to reach out. And there's many ways that we can reach out. And one of them is just talking to people directly. Uh, Way back when, when I was a youth director, uh, many years ago, there was a... uh, A certain mom who who didn't care for me because of a decision that I made within the youth group, and that's not uncommon. But she wouldn't talk to me, so I made it my mission that every time I saw her, I would talk to her. Uh, I I would make it a point to go by her Sunday school class and say hello. Over time, she warmed up and she began to have a relationship with me again, be the first one to reach out. Typically, when when we're in a situation with someone and, and we are enemies, so to speak, people get thrown off when you're nice to them. It throws them out of their rhythm. And I think part of that is because people's basic need is to belong, is to be loved by God and other people. And when they experience that from someone who they consider a rival or an enemy, it can really go a long way in warming their heart. I want to invite our worship band to come up as we close our time together. You know, relationships become real when we choose to grow together. But that takes so much work. It's impossible to do it when we follow the path of least resistance or we get lazy in our relationships, it would be super easy for us to have a church here in this place that lived in that level one and level two areas of love, wouldn't it? Where we always agreed on everything, that, that we, we never uh, did something different than what the whole community wanted to do It would be easy to have a place where we reached out to those who were less fortunate than us and sent money to places. But I think that the American church is dangerously getting close to having too many churches like that. That's not the church that I read about in the New Testament. The church I read about is Paul fighting for the church to be together. Not to abandon their points of view, but to love and respect each other within those points of view. And I believe that Asbury can be a place that follows the still most excellent way that these scriptures are talking about. I'm gonna read our text one more time, but I'm gonna change one word. Asbury... Is patient. Asbury is kind. It's not jealous. It doesn't brag. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. It doesn't seek its own advantage. It isn't irritable. It doesn't keep records of complaints. Asbury isn't happy with injustice, but it's happy with the truth. Asbury puts up with all things, trusts in all things, hopes for all things, and endures all things. Let's pray. Oh God, we come to you. Help us to follow you faithfully, to be people who do the hard work of growing together in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.